do know what it creates is it creates a lack of the connection that we want, especially to our loved ones, by not being uh, able to know how to start these hard conversations. To reason with someone is to motivate them to do or accept topics, ideas, and issues through discussion and having conversations. This podcast is about the relationship with ourself and the relationship with others, finding our stability in our self-worth and how do we actually be in healthy relationships. We find this out through connection, compassion, and communication. Reach out, connect with me, like, subscribe, comment. I want to unpack whatever it is that we can to really get to the nitty and gritty of finding out how do we get better in ourselves and how do we get better in our relationship. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't back. No, no, no. No, he needs to know. Remember me before you Reason with me podcast. All right, we're back. So if you're liking this podcast, can you please hold up, wait a minute, pause. Please give my podcast a review. Give it some stars. Um, leave a comment if you really feel inclined. And yeah, that, that'll just really help me. All right, let's keep going. All right, who we got? We have an entrepreneur, author, speaker, athlete, Philanthropist David Richmond. David uses the lessons learned in his life to enrich and inspire others. As a former sedentary, overweight smoker, David knew that he needed to focus not on what others wanted out of him, but on what he wanted out of life. With his first book, Winning in the Middle of the Pack, David discussed how to get more out of ourselves than ever imagined. Now, David shares the interconnected stories of others overcoming obstacles, specifically cancer, in his second book, The Cycle of Lives. Hope you guys enjoy this podcast. I really enjoyed this podcast, really unpacking the mysteries of expressing emotions when we're going through cancer. His book is available and is raising funds for cancer research and care while sharing the stories emotion and inspiration all right david richmond welcome to the podcast thank you jackson very excited to talk to you uh, i am i'm so intrigued to see where this is gonna go i'm super super excited um so yeah i guess let's just jump straight into it hey what well who who are you what do you do tell me all about it <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, man, it's opening the questions, man. I could talk for the whole, whole time, but no, no, no. Um, I don't know. I guess who I am. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dad. I have 24-year-old twins, beautiful wife. Life is good. Um, I'm an endurance athlete. I do Ironmans and long bike rides and 100-mile runs. Um, I guess around you that'd be something like 140k runs something like that um yeah you know something like that um but i started off not doing that right i started off as like a overweight smoker like not athletic you know not living a good life and finally just said man you you gotta you gotta look at the guy in the mirror and start start worrying about him and I did that when my kids were very, very young. And it just it led me down a path of uh, discovery, both about myself and, and also about the world. I, I write books and um, recently came out with a book uh, that delved into 15 people's emotional journeys with cancer. So I just, uh, I just um, you know, I, I learned a, a, a ton of lessons early in my life. I just never applied them to myself. And then I figured when I started applying to, to myself, I started uh, learning, learning more. So uh, that's, I guess that's my story in a nutshell. We can, we can take it from there. Well, there's so many places we can take it. <laughs> so your book, uh, Cycle of Lives, I believe yeah. it's called, is that right? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, That's my, that's my uh, latest book. Um, And that was born out of um, this thought that, you know, um, people are really good about talking about kind of like the triage, the, 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 like, oh my gosh, I, I, I had something bad happen. And in this case, it's like being diagnosed with cancer or having a loved one or a friend di- diagnosed with cancer. And people are really good about jumping in and saying, hey, how do I get time off work? How do I find the best doctor? How do I get on a special diet and reduce my stress and sleep better and get, get my kids watched while I go to the doctor? They're really good about those kind of things. But what most people are not very good about is talking about the emotional side of it. And talking about, you know, how they feel about what they're going through. It's really, it's really difficult for people to talk about. It's difficult for us to talk to them about. And um, I, I found that out when I was um, confronted with the fact that my sister was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And, you know, we had a lot of talks, Jackson, like a lot of deep emotional talks about things. And uh, yeah, when we were done, I kind of uh, noticed that, geez, that was very unusual. People aren't really equipped to have those really hard conversations. And we kind of just like to avoid, like, oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing, or I don't want to make somebody feel bad or whatever. And so I said, how can we try to maybe change the narrative a little bit, and maybe help equip people to start those hard conversations. So that's what I embarked on when I, when I did this late, latest project. Yeah, well, it sounds like it sounds like it would have been really amazing for you. I want to touch on I want to touch on the book and the experiences mm-hmm. of that. But what I'm really drawn back to um, is, I guess you were you were looking at how to fill your cup up externally uh, for a long time, and then eventually sort of looked in the mirror and go, "Well, what do I need to do for me?" and finding you and obviously creating what you've been able to create and then kind of give back. Like, what was that like? Like, it's not as easy and simple as it can be, or maybe it is as, as simple as, as it well, can be. Look, you're a professional, right? You, you know, you know, these things, right? It's not, it's very easy to look at somebody else or look at yourself from the third person perspective yeah. and, and, and live in denial or, or deflect to other things. And, I kind of grew up in a really wacky household. My, my parents were nearly 40 years difference in age. So my, my mom was 18 when she married my dad, who was 56. And so I grew up in a household where my mom was too young to have kids, probably didn't want them. And my dad was too old to have kids, probably didn't want them. And, um, you know, that led to a a, a series of problems, but I kind of got into this pattern of fixing problems and, getting myself out of holes that I was thrown into or that I dug for myself. And I kind of went through maybe the first few decades of my life with a little bit of a a chip on my shoulder. Like I had to be the guy to fix everything. And I was looking for people's approval rather than like, like feeling good about myself. Mm -hmm. I probably stemmed from my childhood, you know, never having obtained anybody's approval or love or whatever. So I, I went on this quest of like finding the biggest problems that I could find and then figuring out like, oh, I'm, I'm a good guy because I can solve these problems or I can make somebody really angry, love me or something like that, which is not possible. Right. So uh, one day I found myself in an abusive relationship. My, my uh, ex-wife was a, was a violent alcoholic, um, physically violent, emotionally violent. And I had four-year-old twins and I said, man, I, I got to get us out of here. And before something really bad happens. So I got us out and, and I did that. I, I literally like no, no joke. I, I stood in front of the mirror and said like, all right, like, you're, you're not stupid and you, you're good at solving problems, but dude, like you never one time worried about yourself. Like, like, like you need to figure out like, where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? And I just said, well, I, I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be a smoker. I don't want to be a, a sitting on the couch doing nothing. I don't want to be fixing everybody else's problems. I want to, I want to start like living my life. And that's where it kind of started. Yeah. And how, how incredible. Yeah. I mean, I resonate with it so much. I talk a lot about it um, in, in my, in my therapy and, 
in my, with my clients and on this podcast about, you know, really getting my needs met by meeting the needs of others and uh, satisfying, getting satisfaction from that and how eventually that, that kind of doesn't fulfill us and we end up getting out or getting resentment. And, and that's what happened for me. So I resonate with a lot of, of your story, being able to figure out where I'm going to get my worth from. Like it was some, um, you know, treasure hunt that I had to find wow. accolades and different people to fix and, and add to my, you know, my big old achievement list. But it, it was, it was looking in the mirror and, and really going, what do I want for me? And yeah, man, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to do, right? Because you're, it's not like you're doing something wrong by caring about others and taking care of them and trying to help them. You're not doing something wrong. It's, it's a good thing, but eventually you got to go, wait a second. We're all just passerbyers in everybody's life. I got to live my own life. Mm. And you wake up and you go, Oh, who am I? And where am I? And where am I going to be? And what I had to do and probably I'm, you know, again, you're, you're a professional, you know, this stuff more than I do, but what happens is the later in life that you start that realization that you should be living your own life and not for the people, the harder it is to do, because you don't know who you are. You, you beat yourself up for making bad decisions and wasting time, right? You, you fall into bad habits and you just, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to do that. It's hard to do that. And, um, I, it was, it, it, and I struggled with it because if you're a caretaker and now you're worrying about yourself, then you just think you're selfish and self-centered and, and, and it's like, well, wait a second, but, but that's the right thing to do, right? It's the right thing to do to be healthy for yourself. So you can be your best person for other people, but we're not wired that way if we're out there fixing everybody else's problems. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I have this one, a book participant in the book, her name is Maggie. And I won't tell you her whole story, but her story is will totally resonate with you, right? So she's very, very young. She's the oldest kid. And all she is expected to do is take care of her younger siblings, right? But she's got no problem with that. It just comes natural to her. And then her grandmother gets cancer when she's a teenager. And she says to her parents, hey, can I move in and take care of grandma? So she takes care of grandma until grandma dies. Another grandma gets cancer. Hey, can I move in with grandma and take care of grandma? She dies. Then she she takes care of her mom. Her mom dies. A friend of hers from university gets shot and she takes care of him. He dies shortly after. Then her dad, she's taking care of her dad and then he dies. And then a friend. And it's like one thing after another. And I said to Maggie, I said, Maggie, what are you going to do when there's nobody left to take care of? And she goes, oh, there's always going to be somebody. And I go, no, I mean, like, there's nobody left. Like you're outliving everyone. What are you going to do? And she's like, I have no idea. Like, I don't know. And I said, maybe you're going to have to take care of yourself. And she goes, well, I wouldn't know how to do that. <laughs> like, wait a second. Right. So it's, it's, it, it's a very, very um, understandable syndrome. Yeah. 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 And, and I think there's lots of different ways to describe it. I, I talk a lot about it as codependency and really um, how it, how it plays out in that way. And I, Again, it gets, gets to that point, and Maggie's a good example. You know, we eventually light ourselves on fire to start keeping other people warm. Um, we stop giving mm-hmm. them a jacket. We start giving them literally everything we got until we slowly burn and never look inward. So it's it's hard. You're right. I mean, you got, you're got running bloody Ironmans coming out of Australia just to compete in a, you know, <laughs> right. long events. But, you know, that's, that's battling on the body, but I imagine a similar battle when you go, Oh God, I've got to look after me instead of everybody else. You know, it's just as much turmoil and, and sweat and, and, and hard work. You know, I really, I really see it like that. Yeah. But it's also somewhat selfish too, right? Because it takes time away from friends and family. It's focusing on, Oh, sorry, I can't hang out with you today. I got to go do a six hour bike ride or something. And it's like, you know, so you have to choose like, in order to take care of myself, I've got to let go of like, if I got a house full of people I'm hosting, but I got to do a two hour run before I would, you know, not, not that I would ever run when I was an overweight smoker, but, but I mean, to, to walk away from a house full of people that I'm hosting to go run for two hours. Cause it's what I need to do. That's like foreign to me, man. That's really impossible because it's like, Oh, it's so self-centered. It's so, it's so selfish, uh, you know, I got to be the one to be in charge and, uh, you know, like that. 
But then I go, no, I actually, I got to take care of myself because if I'm not my best self for me, how am I going to be my best self for anybody else? I mean, authentically, like, like truthfully. Yeah. And that's so genuine, right? I think that that whole process is, is such an up and down thing or it was for me. And I, I know that it is for so many others. And I think coming back to that, if I don't do it for me, I'm actually not going to be able to do it for anybody. You know, right. it's selfishly, selflessly selfish because, you know, and this is the little slip away that I get for a lot of my clients. It's like, if you actually, this is the secret. If you look after yourself, you actually be able to last, look after some yeah. other a little bit longer, but it's all got to be in moderation and, and in a healthy way. But that's the key. You have to stop and go, oh, I'm going to put some boundaries in place, make some time for me for a while. Can I come yeah. back? Bring it down. And I, you know, I know you've talked about this before and, and it's like the language that we use when we're talking to ourselves. And I used to think that I, I would normally think that that's being self-centered, right? Yeah. But it's not. It, what, is, what it is, is it's being self-caring. And there's a big difference between being self-centered and being self-caring, yeah. right? So when I am cooking dinner for a house full of, of, of people um, and I'm taking charge, I, I'm... I'm actually being self-centered because I'm like, oh, I'm the guy that needs to like be in charge and I'm taking care of it. And it's a little bit selfish and maybe a little bit not so friendly because other people want to help. And maybe I don't want them to help because I want to be in charge and I want to take care of stuff. I feel like that's being self-centered, but self-caring is like, you know what? I got to let people in. I got to let them help take care of me. I got to let them take some of the power of hosting. I got to let them be a part of it. Because that's, care, that's caring for myself and who I really authentically am, right? I don't need to be the guy fixing everything, right? Other people can fix their own, their own stuff. They can even help me, you know? And so big change in, a big change in mindset, especially for, for me, it came out of trauma because when I left home at 18, I was, I, I was robbed at gunpoint. I was homeless. I, I didn't have anybody to call and, and, you know, I made it to, to, to running a hundred million dollar in revenue business for a major wall street firm, having not gone to college. Right. So imagine going from, you know, nothing to, to something I, you know, you, you can imagine what kind of chip I might've had on my shoulder about, uh, about, I gotta be the one in charge of everything. Yeah. yeah the, the better than doesn't mean we're, you know, it's, if we, we look at why we feel less than we feel better than, they're both still self-esteem issues, right? Mm-hmm. The problems that we have within ourselves because we're still, you know, we're still going to find it elsewhere rather than within. So, yeah. So I wrote this this first book or a, a different book, not not an industry book, but a but a but a but my first kind of book for the public was a book called "Winning in the Middle of the Pack," and I came up with this concept of in the when you're in the middle of pack, like you go out to a to a road race or you go out to a, you know, a, a, a triathlon or something like that. Everybody's watching those pros at the front and everybody's watching the, like, who's going to finish over the line last, right? Oh, who's going to be the last one to make it in. But in between, nobody cares. Like nobody's watching, nobody cares. And that's beautiful because if you're the person that's trying to be in the, you know, I'm, I'm never going to win a race. I'm never going to be last. I'm never going to win a race. I'm always going to be somewhere in the middle, but I'm not doing it for anybody else. And so, it, 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 that's the beauty of being in the middle of the pack is the only person that cares is you. The only person that's watching is you. So if you don't do your best, you're always going to know nobody really cares. And that's, it's really awesome because then you're doing it because it's what you really want to do and because you care, right? Yeah. So you can win just because you gave it your best and that you were proud of yourself and you, you gave it some kind of effort and build your own self-esteem just because you care about the dude looking in the mirror. And that, mm-hmm. um, that's a, that's a, it's a really different mindset. It took me a long time to get there. You know? Yeah. And it's, and I think it's ongoing, right? There's always a little inner critic that comes and goes. And you know, I guess the more we work on ourselves, the better we are at silencing or managing them a bit, a bit more that guy that comes like, Hey, remember we used to think this all the time and yeah. uh, you're trying to fight us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, and it is, I love that winning from the middle of the pack means that you just, you just doing you, you know, mm-hmm. That's beautiful. If I can wake up in the morning and go, I just spend the whole day by myself and I didn't have to please approve or, or look for anything else externally and just would it, would it be, would I be okay? Would I be, yeah. would I be lovable and, and enough for me? 
And um, yeah, I try to get that and think about that, reflect on it really regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you found your, you found your way and, and that's, that's beautiful. And I guess that would have in your exploring in, in your new book and, mm-hmm. and, and I guess seeing where different people sit on that spectrum and, and I guess a big access to that being aware that they sit with their emotions. It's very hard to know who you are and what you are and what your truth is when you can't access the ability to connect in, in an emotional way. Um, you can try. <laughs> you might not get too far. So I'm super intrigued. Mm-hmm. I've read a lot about um, the consequences of, of, of not processing some of the stuff that can happen to us and the worth that we feel and the, and the language that we have towards us manifests, manifests in different ways. And, and sometimes that can be cancer. And um, I'd love to hear your thoughts and in, in, in some of the stories that you had with, with mm-hmm. your, in that emotional space and connection. Yeah, sure. Well, listen, Jackson, those are very profound thoughts. And, and um, I don't know. I'm sure that there's going to be people that know the answer to this question or think they do know the answer. I don't know what holding stress inside creates. I don't know if that creates cancer. I don't know if it cures cancer. I don't know if it makes you stronger, if it makes you weaker. I don't know about those things. Okay. I, I just don't. I'm not medically qualified. I, I, don't, I, I don't have very strong feelings on it one way or another. What I do know, though, is that when it comes to trauma, especially things that we kind of can't wrap our brains around, it's easy to just shut off the part in our brain that says, man, I don't want to deal with this, I, I, or I can't deal with it, or I don't know how to deal with it, so I'm not even going to try. And then we walk away, figuratively or, or not. But And what I do know that creates is that creates the lack of connection we want in life. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you an example of this. And, and, and I'm sure anybody listening can totally relate to this. Okay. So uh, uh, I'm on this super long bike ride. Okay. It's nearly 5,000 miles. So it's some 8,000 kilometers bike ride, solo bike ride across the country. Okay. And, and I'm, 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 I'm riding my bike solo to try to meet all the people I had been talking to for a couple of years because I wanted to meet them in person for the first time. And I'm in, um, I'm in this city about uh, 1,500 miles from the start, about you know 2,200K from the start, something like that. And, I, and, and my friend says, hey, hey brother, uh, my whole family's here. They're, they love what you do. Uh, you know, my, my dad went through cancer like 20 years ago. My sister went through cancer like six or eight years ago, and, and everybody's been touched by it. And we'd love to thank you for what you're doing and bringing awareness to the emotional side of this thing. We all want to buy you brunch. I said, all right. So the dad pulls me over. He's like this 80 year old guy and he's old school. And he's like, yeah, you know what you're doing, you know, telling people about to deal with their emotions with this whole cancer thing. It's like so great. And I'm so proud of you. And it's such an important part. And that, and I'm like, wow, this is cool. And then his daughter, my friend's sister, pulls me over and she says, you know, I, I had uh, breast cancer. I had stage three, you know, double mastectomy. I was a nurse at the time, but I left to become a lobbyist for patient rights in, in oncology because I was so touched by it. And this thing that you're doing, talking about the emotions of cancer, it's so important. And I said, that's great. So at the end of the brunch, I'm getting ready to say, you know, you know, a word to the group. And I said to them, I go, not every family is like you guys, right? I mean, the fact that you're so open about talking about the emotions. And I look over at the dad and he's got his hands in his lap and he's looking down. And I look over at the, the daughter, my friend's sister, and she's got her hands in her lap. And I go, you guys do talk about the emotional side of what you've been through, right? And you both just thanked me for what I'm doing and how important it is. And the dad goes, well, you know, I'm old school. I didn't want to burden my daughter. I didn't want to bring my family down. You know, you're just a man. You go through what you go through and you just, you just deal with it. And I look at the daughter and, and I go, you? And she goes, listen, man, I mean, I don't, I don't know what my dad really went through, but I know I thought I might die. How am I going to talk to my dad about maybe he's going to lose a daughter? And how am I going to make, make him feel bad about what he went through? So no, he like never talked about it. I go, but you both said how important it is. Yeah. And they go, it is. And I go, yeah, but you haven't done it. And yeah. they go, well, that's what your book's going to do. It's going to help us. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Not great enough. Right. Even if you know how important it is. And so 
yeah. to cut to the chase on that story uh, about uh, three weeks later, I'm still on my, 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 my bike ride and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm way further along and I get a call from my friend, Jerry. And he said, brother, he says, you're never going to believe it. I just went to dinner with my dad and my sister. And I said, Oh, that's cool. He goes, yeah. They talked for like an hour and a half. They were laughing and they were crying. And he goes, I just sat back and watched them because they're so close anyway, but I never heard them talk about their cancer. He goes on that, like that, that emotional level. He goes, it was unbelievable. He says, and I I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And I'm like, oh man. So we know what we got to do sometimes, but it's hard to do. So I do know long answer. And I'm sorry for, for rambling a little bit, but, but I do know what it creates is it creates a lack of the connection that we want, especially to our loved ones by not being uh, able to know how to start these hard conversations. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, David. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. Awareness is like this two-way mirror on where on one side and what the other one of us is sitting down getting interviewed, you know, and we're like banging on the door like, don't forget this. Like we're yelling at awareness. Well, yelling at ourselves. If we're not listening to awareness, it's, it's nothing. We're not going to do anything with it. We might be double banging on the door, being like, right. remember emotions. You know, so I think, yeah. like, you know, we've got to put into action. And I love that they came up to you like, this is the best, you know, it's too late for us, but right. <laughs> you're doing what you're doing. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and that was kind of one of the common themes. Right. And I interviewed not just people that had cancer, but I interviewed loved ones. I interviewed caregivers, uh, an oncologist, a 40 year oncologist. Talked to her about her emotional journey of caring for patients over a 40 year period. I talked to a medical health professional, um, a pediatric oncology nurse, and I talked to all of them about their emotional journeys with cancer as it related to the childhood and young adult traumas that they had in life. So traumas that I couldn't identify. I mean, I I lost my sister to cancer, but I couldn't identify what it was like to go through cancer or to lose a a spouse or something like that. Um, I could understand kind of like a little bit about abuse, about addiction, about, um, um, you know, being in abusive relationships, about making bad decisions, about being dealt the bad hand in life, those kind of traumas I could kind of wrap my brain around and identify with. But how did those things affect people's ability or more likely their inability to form more meaningful connections with people? Because, you know, if I were to call you up, Jackson, and you go, hey, what's happening, David? How was your day? And I'm like, oh, dude, at work, it was really tough, man. One of my coworkers, their son, little four-year-old kid has brain cancer. What the hell am I going to say to him? Like, what do you say? Right. It's so freaking hard. So the best thing to do is kind of avoid them and not say anything because you don't may. Oh, I'm sorry. Or geez, can I bring you a casserole or something? But I mean, how do you navigate that, that trauma in order to form a more meaningful connection? It's so hard. Yeah. And that it is right. And 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 it, we we it, to step into it is is a whole a whole nother thing, you know. Like you said, with this family, they're sort of it's almost like you gave them permission or gave them a little check to go. Well, I mean, you, you can start, and then and then we just do it. If we think we need all the step by step process to just showing up and then doing it, then we're all going to avoid it, right? So I think that's. Mm. That's super, super, super true. And and our experiences shape shape that, right? Like you said, with our traumas. Um, you can't teach what you don't know, right? So yeah. we, our parents didn't know how to deal with emotions. They're not going to teach them to us. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And then we might have learned them in a really negative way. And, um, and you know, let, let me just interrupt you for one second, Jackson, because we also can't teach ourselves if we haven't done it. And so... I knew that going in as I wasn't looking for people to give me a prescription and I wasn't looking for them to figure out how to fix themselves or ask me how to fix them. I I mean, I'm not qualified to fix them, but you know what I'm saying? There was not that. What I asked them to do was to really let me go through navigating the hallways of their journey and telling me their story, because by telling me their story, just what you were saying, they would learn. And by learning now they could teach. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then it's like riding a bike. It's like they start doing it and they're like, wait a minute, I'm doing it. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and there's always it's just beautiful you know people get to decide if they're going to open the doors along the hallways there's, oh, there's a little bit of grief here there's a little pain here and i'll let you be, see me in that but you know i get to decide how much i open it mm-hmm. and um but if i don't if i'm not giving you the opportunity you just walk through my hallway and then you know um it's just beautiful that you can you can go and do that and how many were you able to sort of like touch and meet and and share yeah. well there were many to your point there were many that weren't able to open up those doorways right yeah. so either uh we we went to places where they weren't able to go and i didn't want I, and i needed to go there because i wanted to tell true authentic yeah really moving inspirational evocative stories that would really help make an impact on people so that they could be better equipped to, to apply these stories to their own life and maybe learn a lesson or two about how to connect with people. Right. So sometimes they weren't able to open up those doorways. Sometimes I wasn't skilled enough to figure out how to unlock the, the, the doors. So I talked to quite a few people who didn't, it didn't work out, but when I got to, you know, the 15 that made it into the book, they were diverse in age, types of cancer, types of traumas that they had, um, some, one person was just afraid of cancer. The other person, another person had cancer five different times in their adult life, five different cancers, five different times. And so I had a really diverse range of people who were very, very open to learning what we were going to find out. And that was a, a couple of things that were common. One was every single one of them in the beginning said, ah, my story's not that interesting. Nobody really cares. Right. First and 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 then you start talking to them and you realize it's like the most interesting story you've ever heard, right? So, but people are just living their lives; they don't know. And then the other thing that people were uh, of these people that were, where we were able to go where we needed to go, they were all like, "Okay, we're in this together. Let's see what we find out." Do you know, which is which is wonderful, and we found out a lot about what were their limiters. Uh, to being able to process these emotions, uh, what were the things that that they were able to lean on that allowed them to? What were they safe to tell us that we could learn that they wouldn't have told us otherwise? Like for example, I had one. Uh, um, I won't tell you the whole story because it's kind of long. But one person lost their spouse, and it was really, really brutal. They had just married. Um, you know, he, he had found the love of his life and within 18 months they were married and she passed away. Absolutely, completely tragic, but they navigated her death 100% fully as much as they could ahead of time, right? As much as they could. And, um, when she died, um, it was still hard, but he had processed all the emotions. They had processed them together. So what he, what he did is he had lots of friends who would say to him, oh, I'm sorry. And they would look at him with these sad eyes and they would make him feel like, oh, you should be, you should be in this point of grief. And he was grieving, but he had long processed everything. But he couldn't tell people, hey, don't look at me with sad eyes. Don't, don't, don't feel sympathy for me. Because he, that's kind of mean to say to somebody who cared, you know, they, they want to. So he had to like literally fly out of the town on the weekends so he could just be himself. And not have people judge him and have sympathy for him and feel bad for him and look look down on him. Oh, you poor thing, you poor thing. He didn't feel a poor thing. He felt a poor thing when she was going through it. But he didn't feel such a poor thing now because they had processed it all. Mm-hmm. Right? And so so how do you tell somebody? Uh, yeah, no, don't tell me you're sorry. I don't want to hear it. Right? Don't don't say poor me. I, I don't feel poor me anymore. And so, so we were able to uncover that and really have them vocalize it. And, and I think I told it in a way that, that, it, that it, you know, made an impact on people and like, that's really hard to do. So how, would, how would you have done that? Otherwise you can't look at somebody and say, don't care about me, yeah. but it's like, Hey, care about me in a different way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the difference between sympathy and empathy, right? Yeah. That, you know, I feel sorry for you. So tomorrow mm-hmm. <laughs> patronizing, but yeah. Yeah. Because people just don't know how. Like, I'm sorry. You're sorry for what? Like, it was, yeah. it was your fault? Did you do this? <laughs> you know? 
Right. But it's so easy to do. And, and honestly, Jackson, I hear professionals do it all the time. And I kind of cringe at it. Like I, I'll talk to the doctor and, you know, do, do a podcast or an interview or something. And they'll say, oh, so what got you into this? And I say, well, you know, kind of started when my sister was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, you're like a professional. I don't think you should be saying you're sorry because it wasn't your fault. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it's nice. Yeah. Right. But I'd yeah. rather you ask me like, oh, my God, what was that like? Like, how was she? Mm. How does that make you feel? How long ago? Like, talk to me about it. Don't just tell me you're sorry and then walk away because that doesn't help either one of us. It helps extricate you from an uncomfortable situation, but that doesn't really. And, and, and if we're trying to form a more meaningful connection, we need to stay present in that moment, not avoid it. Mm. Okay. I love that. I'll put you on the spot then. What, what, what would you like to hear? Because <laughs> you and many, many others across all uh adversity right not just cancer like everything when we go through real real bad uh, pain and grief like i have my ideas but yeah well land for you david well i learned this along the way right i don't know the answer i just i i learned it from talking to people but i i learned that if you are truly listening and you truly care even if you're just strangers in the passing moment but you're present and you're authentic and you care that you kind of can't really ask the wrong question, right? And asking a question allows them to know that you care and allows them to tell you. So for example, um, I was at, I, I pulled up to a hotel one time. It was a 17 hour day of biking. Okay. I was biking for 17 hours, 156 miles, basically like 200 odd K in one day, 17 hours. <clears throat> Absolutely ridiculous. I pull into this hotel at the at like one in the morning and this woman comes out who's the front desk clerk. And she said, oh, my God, we thought you were going to be here hours ago. And I stayed extra just so I could say hello to you. I'm so proud of you. And I wanted to meet you. And I said, that's very sweet. And she goes, yeah, well, I just felt this urge because, you know, my grand I lost my grandfather like three weeks ago to cancer. And the old me would have went, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You know, like, ah, oh, that must be hard. And then I would like go, like, I'm really tired. Let's check me in and let me go to my room. But what I learned was I said, oh, my gosh, no way. Like three weeks ago, it must still be pretty raw for you, right? And she goes, oh, my God, it's unbelievable. And, and I said, and you stayed up just to say hello to me? I mean, that's really sweet of you. And she goes, well, I was hoping maybe I could talk to you about my grandfather. And I'm, what was he like? And she's like, oh, my God, and we had this great conversation. It was only like 10 minutes. But yeah. it was this wonderful conversation where she knew that I wasn't just going to go, oh, I'm sorry, and walk away. But I asked her to tell me about her grandfather and she got a chance to say, oh, my God, you know, like, I'm so glad that we were so close at the end of his life and blah, 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 blah. And I know that for me, a couple of years later, I still remember that conversation vividly. Our paths will never cross again, her and I. Maybe possibly she's going to remember that some stranger cared about that relationship that's gone in time and their grandfather is a distant memory now to most people right? That somebody cared to let her, let her say how she felt about him, mm. you know? And, 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 and that, that was a real true human moment between two strangers. And, and so that's, that, that I think is what, what I learned about that. Yeah. Well, I think that the, it just comes back to this power of connection, right? Mm -hmm. So it's difficult to navigate, but it can be so simple in just being available, you know, showing mm -hmm. up as an, and, and I love that. Like, tell me about him. It's such a different response to like, oh, okay. You know, it wasn't yeah. that. Um, well, by the way, Jackson, how about this question? Were you close? Yeah. Because my wife's grandmother just passed away. And a few people said something like, oh, I'm so sorry. And other people were like, oh, my God, you know, gosh, your grandmother, that must have been tough. And my wife is like, Hell no, it wasn't tough. She was a mean cur. Yeah. I did not like, right? Like, like, right? What a great question. Were you close? Yeah, you know, super, you know, touched. Way know. better than, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Well, it's a right. judgment, it's an assumption. Yeah. It's an, you know, stuff yeah. is helpful. Oh, I had such a good question before, and now I forgot. Uh, I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, no. I, I, I like where this is going, so it's, it's completely fine. Um, I, I, I've been reading a lot about um, just how things show up in the body and, and it's awesome to hear like the different 
ways it kind of did. Oh, I remember my question. Yes. Um, do you think after the people that you've spoken to that there was this common theme of the limits that people had access to those emotions? Like, was there an overarching commonality between the people that you spoke to? Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, it, everyone was different. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, uh, different ages, different issues, different things they had to deal with. Oh, yeah. uh, each person had um, a realization going into it when they said, oh, my story's not that interesting. As we, as we got to it and they actually could vocalize their story, everybody realized their story was very interesting. And when we're, and it made me realize that when we're going through life, we're just living our life. We don't think it's anything special. We're just doing what we need to do to get from one moment to the next. And what you think is tough for somebody is just, that's what they're dealing with. So maybe it's not so tough for them. Right. So don't judge how they might react to it. Cause you don't, you don't know, you're not living their life. So I thought it was really amazing that everybody came to a realization that once they were forced to, you know, not, no, I didn't hold, I didn't tie them to a chair, but once they were forced to relive their story and tell tell their story that they had to admit that their lives were pretty fascinating and 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 I thought that was awesome that was one the other thing that um was was common at different levels but it, it, at some point it was common in every story was that a trauma especially around something as difficult to talk about as cancer was somewhat self-isolating it was somewhat isolating it was so much easier to not push other people to talk or not be pushed to talk yourself or not take a step to try try to do it with other people so it it, it seemed like um that self-isolation was a was kind of a common theme if um if not abandonment right sometimes sometimes you know you you ask two friends for help and they they disappear when you need it the most. That's abandonment, but but it's it's also also isolating, right? So um, that was a common theme, which is again going of what we're talking about, which is connection. It's the opposite of what we need in life, right? And so that that was that those were two of the most profound commonalities that I found. I mean, it makes a lot of sense when then when you look at those two things as like they're minimizing. And then they're you're rejecting or abandoning it or isolating from it all. Like those two things don't give you access to being able to connect and talk about your emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So say that I'm not important or this story is not that great. And I go, well, this is my experience and I'm not letting you in or I'm, you know, being pushed out by it. Yeah, that, that's not a recipe for safer, honest, open, heartfelt commu- discussion, communication. Um, no, and, and not everyone was was sitting there with a box of uh, tissues, right? It's it's yeah. not like it wasn't that. I'm not talking about being emotional. I'm saying talking about the emotional aspect of it. Could you imagine? Mm. And this is what this is the beauty in in the, some of the stories I uncovered. Could you imagine uh, being told? No, let me let me say it the way you you had to say it. Could you imagine telling your wife of 25 years as she woke up? And you lean into her and you say, darling, I need to tell you something. And she says, what? And you say, they're going to wheel you into surgery. And she says, huh? And they say, they've just found a grapefruit-sized tumor in your brain. You might not survive the surgery. And if you do, it's probably not going to be a very good outcome. And could you imagine her looking at you and crying tears of joy saying, thank you. Thank you so much for telling me that. Could you, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't wrap my brain around that, right? And it's such a wonderful story because um, the backstory to that is that the, that this marriage that they had, which had survived the death of a child, uh, raising five other children, going through the ups and downs that life gives you. Um, she, her, the wife was losing her mind. She was becoming an angry, distant, miserable person. And as the months and years went on, it became worse and worse and worse. And so bad that she had to check herself into a mental institution because she knew in a moment of clarity that she was the problem, not, not their marriage and not him. She was the problem. She thought she was going crazy. 
And so she was willing to throw away 25 years of marriage and the relationship with her kids and be gone. And then as they took her in, they did medical tests on her. They found this tumor. And when he told her that what he had to tell her, she said, so it's not me. I'm not crazy. Mm. Like, I, like she was so joyful to know that. And so um, you, you never know what people have gone through and what they're going through. And so um, I think having judgment or having a preconception about the way somebody should feel about something is not fair because we're not living their life, right? If you told me a story of, ah, I just heard this thing and the woman was so happy and joyful, I'd be like, you know what, go to hell. I mean, that didn't happen, right? But no, you have to allow her to feel the joy that she felt in that noise because against what she thought it was, her reality, that was that was much better news. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's so true. You know, how can you, how can we ever know unless we, we really start to understand ourselves to be able to understand how we connect and even get to those answers? Um, so it's a huge, I guess, all those people that, and, and anyone that's sort of had a chance to read your book, really privileged that you've sort of been able to do that. Because without what you've been able to do for you, you wouldn't have gotten what you got from these people. They'd be yeah. a disconnected um, guy that still hasn't figured it out, right? Um, but instead they get they get the, the rich man that is rich in, in himself. Right? <laughs> well, look, I... Um... You know, I, I learned this from my from my uh, journey going from kind of being unhealthy to being a little bit more healthy, right? And and I don't mean just physically, emotionally, psychologically, everything is that there's kind of three steps to to that. The third step's the 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 best one, but the first step is you have to be able to look in the mirror and make an honest, truthful assessment of who you are. Mm-hmm. It's very 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 hard to do. Yeah. Um, that's number one. The, the number two step, I think, is you need to forgive yourself for not being where you thought you might be and making mistakes and for not doing the things that you could have done or for wasting time or for whatever else you need to forgive yourself, right? You are where you are. You know what you know when you know it. That's it. You got to forgive. It. You got to move on. You got you to gotta just say, okay, I'm here. I'm going to forgive myself for not knowing what I don't, what I, what I'm going to know tomorrow, right? Mm. And then the third step is once you, once you have those two things, now you can learn. And, and I, 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 when I embarked on the cycle of lives project, I, I definitely knew who I was. I definitely forgave myself for not knowing what I didn't know at the time. Right. I didn't know I should care about myself. I I didn't know a lot of these other things and, and now I could go learn. And, and that's the, that's the, the beautiful thing is to not, not bring everything that you know about yourself to the table because it's just not fair. It's just, it's, it's very close-minded mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I, and I love this idea of, I don't know anything. Like I know a lot, but every day I'm going to learn something new. Every conversation I might learn something new. And, and if I think I know the answer to every question, what the hell am I doing? Just stay home and just die. Because if you already know the answer to every question, if you already know everything about yourself, what, what what's the point? Yeah, well, you're not you're not you're not going to unlock anything else. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, not, not a life I want to live. I learn something new every day. Uh-huh. My, my curiosity, you know, you kept saying I'm a professional. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I haven't figured it out, but I'm still going. Something new every day, and, and that's I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, and and others and. And, and you being able to share like this, it's, it's been amazing. Um, so you gave us some teases this whole time talking about what this book's going to um, bring and unfold. I'm, I'm super keen to um, mm-hmm. yeah, get into that, actually. Um, how, how can people get in touch uh, with you or how, how can they, they bring themselves to find uh, your books? And, and sure. I think I appreciate that. The, um, the, one of the things that I wanted to do with this project was to raise awareness and kind of maybe perhaps give somebody a tool or two that they could add to their, their belt 
right? When they're, when they're trying to form deeper connections. The second thing I want to do is raise a little bit of money. So hundred percent of the proceeds of the book go to the charities that were picked by the people that are in the book. So those are listed on my website. They're listed in the book, but they're really good nonprofit cancer focused um, charities. And so hundred percent of the proceeds go, go to that. So um, the book is in regular form, you know, here in the States where most of the world, most books are sold on Amazon. So, you know, that, that's where most books are sold. Um, uh, uh, there's also the audio book, which is awesome. The audio book is incredible. I had 15 different professional voiceover actors, uh, each read one of the chapters. So it's very moving. They're very, very good actors and they read the stories with such power. It's very, very moving. And, and, and the book is not, um, depressing or, or too, or too heavy. The, each story, uh, although not every one of them is talking about the happiest of endings or the happiest of circumstances, each one is very inspirational and very, uh, very forward thinking. And, and so they're, they're uplifting, um, but they can get the book. Uh, it's called cycle of lives. They can do it wherever books are sold or you know, go to my website in, in the States. That's a, a cycle of Cause we're a nonprofit. Um, and you can find out more uh, there. And like I said, I think, I think the audio book is the way to go because it's easy to get and, on audible. Um, and, um, yeah, the stories are told in a very powerful way. Awesome. And I'll put, um, I'll put some links up on my show notes and on my website when, when we put this on as well, just, um, so people can uh, mm -hmm. grab, have a look and, and get a little bit more. And yeah, I think. We have, you know, today we did sort of raise some awareness and I've definitely taken a few things and yeah, we've got to get down and connect with our emotions in, in any way we can in, in, in a space with others that I think is, is what I took away from today. So I really appreciate it, David. And man, keep doing what you're doing. Well, you do the same. I'm going to. Um, the, 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 the cool thing is, is that if you're not trying to tell people stuff, like you're not giving them prescriptions and, yeah. and you're not preaching to them, but you just want to go on a side by side. Let's, let's see what we can learn together. Let's go through this together. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful way to, to, to approach that connectivity. And, you know, I, I rarely give advice. I, I don't really ask for advice. I more say, let's talk about it and see what we learn, see what we figure out. So um, I've appreciated uh, doing that with you and uh, yeah, we got to do it again at some point. Yeah, man, this is, this is so good. And, and I completely aligned exactly with this podcast and who I am as a person, you know, mm -hmm. uh, figured it all out. So let's, let's share and talk about it and learn together. That's, that's the way. Yeah. That's why we found each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. And thank God we did. And, and I'm so grateful we did this. So mm -hmm. cheers, man. Yeah. Cheers to you. Thanks for the time, Jackson. Thanks. That was a nice episode. I got a lot out of it. But we are back. Yes, I'm continuing with this. The Reason With Me Love Letters playlist. That's what I'm calling it. If you're enjoying uh, these podcasts, maybe you enjoy some of this playlist. The idea is just to connect and get into your feelings and see if music can help you be in what might come up for you. So this one is Feel by Robbie Williams thought it is quite appropriate you might have noticed it's in the intro now and I love this song it really hits home for me and yeah it's all about feeling real love enjoy see you next time if you want to find out more about how therapy can help you kick some goals go check out findreasontherapy.com.au or the Find Reason Therapy Instagram page